Wow, lots of things happening, right? Uh, glad that you are here with us today. And uh, I just want to know if the if her class now is in a first grade or elementary classroom with a pink flamingo, does that mean that the uh, young Marys go to the kindergarten classroom? I'm not sure. Uh, we'll work on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to the principal. Well, every room this race is in is the principal's office, just so you know. Um, well, it's good to be here with all of you. Welcome to church. Thank you for joining us today and for being a part of this. What a tremendous opportunity we have every week to worship Jesus and every Sunday to celebrate our risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As we're uh, talking about what a wonderful name it is, Jesus Christ. Just as we sing the name of Jesus, there's power in the name of Jesus. I, I become enamored with the name of Jesus. I hope you do too, and uh, that you call on him regularly. So, uh, well, if you're new here, first time, my name's Calvary. I'm the pastor, and I just want to say welcome. Um, we're glad that you're with us today, and uh, this, it's an exciting time. This time of year, the school's getting ready to get back in session. You know, you've seen all the stuff around. The portable building's finally up. We have... Uh, I mean, you know, some things getting done on that. Uh, just really excited. Football's getting ready to start. Caden, my um, going to be sixth grader, such a little guy, you know. Uh, he is going to be, he had his first middle school football practice uh, on Friday. Middle school football, can you believe middle school <laughs> football? Uh, man. But um, I was, uh, football, I don't know if you pay any attention to this, but uh, it's an exciting time as well because the NFL season is about to start. Uh, you know, the, the Hall of Fame game has already happened. This week we get some preseason action. And uh, it's almost like every year I feel like during the summer, especially this summer, as hot as it's been, we're wandering in the wilderness. You know, what's going on? I don't know. Things are crazy. Everybody's going to camps. We're just wandering around. It's hot and it's miserable. But football's coming. <laughs> if we can just hold on. Football's coming. Um, no, it's, uh, it is exciting that uh, it's that time of year. Um, I was, I heard somebody, I just have to share with you, I heard somebody talking about this week, um, they said their family was country bougie. Have you ever heard that? Country bougie. And I was like, I don't, I don't know that I identify with country bougie, but redneck bougie, I got. Like, I, I was just thinking about some things. I, you know, I grew up, you guys know uh, some things about me. I grew up in West Texas in a trailer park. Grew up in a trailer park. My kids have no idea, right? But we were bougie because we had a double-wide trailer. It was like we were that family. We had the double-wide trailer. And then, of course, you know, you didn't just want any old car. Um, it had to be a pickup um, country bougie. We had to have a pickup truck, and uh, that's what I that's what I ended up having as a pickup truck. Now it was a small Ford Ranger, single cab. Um, you know, sometimes we could we could fit five or six people in that cab. It, uh, we did that. I don't like. I'm looking at my 15 year old getting ready to drive December. She'll get her driver's license. You know, fingers crossed. But um, I'm like, I don't. I just, I know me, and I am not ready for you to be driving yet. Uh, I'm glad they changed the law. You know, you can only have, I think, one person who's not in your family in the front seat 
of the car or in the car with you now. I'm, I'm like, that's a great rule because no joke, that Ford Ranger, I'm surprised I didn't bust a spring. We'd, the back would be full of kids. The inside of the cab would be full of people. It was, it was not a good situation. The football team, I put the football team in the, in the bed of my little Ford Ranger pickup one time uh, to go to practice. Like this, <clears throat> times have changed for the good. It's for the good. Uh, anyway, redneck bougie. That's your, that's your new thing. Redneck, you know, maybe for me it is. Have you ever noticed as we talk about that, everybody's built just a little different. Have you noticed that? It's, it's good to be back here, by the way. I've, like um, a couple of weeks ago, um, Pastor Jerry Porter spoke, and that was amazing. I wish I would have been here for that. And then last week, we had our intern, Zach. He's back in college. All the college students are back now. Um, but it's, it's good to be back here and doing this. And I, I was just thinking about everybody is built different. I mean, personality differences abound. You know, all of us here, we all have different personalities. Some of you have personalities that go towards extreme organization like my mom, and some of you don't know what organization is. It's, uh, in my house, I see the same thing. It's, a, it's crazy. They're all being raised the same way, but I have, like, um, my, <laughs> let's call them out. This is, I'm not talking bad about my kids, okay? But, you know, my 13-year-old, um, she wants everything organized and, and nice and neat, and she keeps her room mostly picked up. My other two kids, uh, they might make it all the way to high school to graduate and never even see their floor. You know, like, oh, look, there's, there's carpet in my room. I didn't know because I thought we just, it was a new thing, just closing the floor. Um, it's just kids are, all people are built differently. Um, for a long time, I paid special attention to the Strengths Finder. You guys maybe know or have seen the Strengths Finder. It's a, it's kind of a personality profile. You take a short quiz that determines what your strengths are. Um, and uh, mine are just so you know, competition, I wrote them down so I won't forget. Competition, woo, maximizer, positivity, and communication. That's my top five. Like that's, uh, some of you are looking at me now and some of you who pay attention to those things are looking at me like, oh, I get you now. Like we can, we can, you know, talk after. But I paid a lot of attention to that uh, once upon a time and, uh, you know, we'd be talking and in, in some pastor circles and then also in some business circles like, oh, what's your strengths? Some people will put on their uh, emails. You'll notice all their strengths listed out. What are, what are their strengths? Like bragging on who they are. Um, and, and, and that's okay. Then I discovered the Enneagram. You guys know the Enneagram personality profile. It's another one. It's just like all different personalities. Um, just so you know, I'm a three on the Enneagram personality profile. That's, that's who I am. But um, it's a test, another personality profile test. You take it, and then it gives you a number between one and nine as your personality. And I, for a long time, I'd hear people say, well, I'm an eight. And I'm like, I don't don't even know what that means, but good for you. I'm glad that you're something like, I'm a one. Oh, okay, that's, I didn't know. Um, now I've kind of read about it a little bit. I've understood. Uh, the point is that we are all different. I mean, really, we are so different. Personalities and, and strengths are all over the charts. Um, it was a few weeks ago now, but we looked at this idea of being conformed into the image of Christ. And we talked about this fact that we've all been given unique gifts and strengths. And God's desire is that we are all like Christ. 
That's what he wants. But that doesn't mean that he wants us to all be the same. I have a definition here. We are created to be compassionate persons whose relationships are characterized by love and forgiveness. This is who Christ is. This is what he wants us to be. This is who he wants us to be. He's not saying he wants us to all be the same. We are people whose lives are healing and liberating and transforming as we touch other people's lives because God through us is touching them as well. When we're all formed into the image of Christ, we're not made into clones. We're not made to be the same, but we find our own unique individuality in Christ. In other words, we're the only ones who can do what we do the way that we do it. God has called us all to, uh, to do the things that he wants us to do, but he's given us different gifts, and he has set us apart to do his holy work. Paul talks a lot about it when he, he says we're all um, one body but many parts. This is what's unique about the church, and this is why it breaks God's heart when the church begins to argue and fight amongst themselves, to gossip. Because that's not putting him on display at all. We're all made different, but we all work together. And what's unique is the unity that we do that with. So, so real quick, just to catch us up a little bit. Spiritual formation, the definition we decided on is the process of being conformed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. Spiritual formation is what helps shape us into the person that Jesus has called us to be. We looked at the, this idea that it's a process of being conformed. And because we live in a do-it-yourself culture, because we live in this place where we tend to control everything in our lives, we have a problem with something being done to us. We want, we, talked, we were talking about this in Sunday school today, right? We want control. We want the power. We want to be the ones. But our spiritual walk is not like that. First of all, we walk in partnership with God. But when we are changed, it's not because we change ourselves. It's because the Holy Spirit is changing us. We are being conformed. And then the last time we talked about being conformed into the image of Christ for, uh, and we called that the Imago Dei. Being conformed into the image of Christ and the Imago Dei. Genesis teaches us that we were created in God's image, right? We all understand that. We know that sin is, came in and distorted that image. But we believe that image is still there. It's just distorted. It's not right. And at our church, we teach that the process of, of being sanctified is the renewal, the restoration of that image in us. It's an amazing journey that, that we can be on. But what's really cool about that is we are being shaped or returned to the very nature of our being. When we say human nature, we're talking about, most often you'll say, well, it's just human nature, right? You've heard that. That's the fallen nature that we're talking about. But really, the nature we were created in is not that. So the process of spiritual formation is a return to the nature of our being, of who he created us to be. And this happens over time as God reveals places in, in, in our lives. He shows us ways that we are not conformed to him. 
And, and there's a, a, I like to call it a spiritual confrontation that happens. It's, the spiritual growth happens at places that makes us uncomfortable. Because we're good over here, right? Everything's good and we're moving along and things are good. But it's over here. Maybe it's something in our life we haven't yielded yet. That's where the spiritual formation happens. The point is, we're not to grow to a point where someday we're sitting in a trophy case in heaven as a trophy of God's grace. That's not, that's not what God's doing in us. All of God's work to conform us into the image of Christ has as its sole purpose that we might become who God created us to be in relationship to God and others. In other words, there's a point. There's a reason to all this. Our formation, our spiritual growth, our closeness to him is not just so that he can say, oh, look at the, this is, man, Cal, he's a trophy of my grace. And if you knew my past, of course, uh, God's grace in my life is profound. Somebody lost their phone. It's fine. <laughs> in other words, we are being spiritually formed for the sake of others. And that's what we're going to get into today. And I, I love this. There's a point to all of it. It's not just to be spiritually formed. There's a point. All right, so we're going to read today, and it's, it's a little bit longer. First John chapter 3. The notes, by the way, for today's message are in the church app. You can download the church app, find the sermon notes. Uh, also, you can go to the uh, Bible app um, and get it from there. First John chapter 3. Starting with verse 10. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. <laughs> you guys better pay attention to this, right? Anyone what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. Oh, man, he's pouring it on. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Just think about that for a minute. We have passed from death to life because we loved each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Now skip to verse 19. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. There's a whole lot to unpack in this scripture. And if, if you go, this is in 1 John. If you go to uh, the book of John, he, he says a similar thing, but a, a little bit different in the book of John. He says that, because, and he says it here, because God has loved us, in John he says this, we have loved others. In other words, we don't, love others unless we're revealing the love of God through us. When God says, uh, I love you, it's easy for us to say to him, I love you back. 
But the point is not for us to say, to, to get into this love fest with God. While I love God, I'm, I am enamored with God. If I want to show that, then I have to love you. Right? And that's what John's trying to get us to understand, that because we love God, or because God loves us, we love others. God doesn't say, hey, love me back because I loved you. He says, because I loved you, you love others. And that's pretty important. And I've said before, if you, if you tell me you love me, I, I'm appreciative of that. Not, you know, I, I mean, I love you too, but if you want to show me how much you love me, then love my kids. You know what I mean? Like if I see somebody loving my kids, man, it creates something within me that I'm like, oh, I love that person because you love my kids that are sometimes hard to love. <laughs> Do you think God's thinking the same thing? When we love somebody else, he's like, oh, man, I love you. Look how you love all my kids. That's the point. All right, so the first thing is this. If we're going to be like Christ, perhaps it's important to say, who is Christ? Who is Christ? Let me clarify that I'm talking about the image of Christ a lot and the imago Dei. And I'm using them interchangeably. Imago Dei is the uh, Latin for the image of God, right? We need to understand that Jesus, who is the Christ, is God. I went through a whole teaching not too long ago about the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're all the same but different, right? One God, three parts. It's really difficult. We just have to say by faith. God, we, what, you know, you say it, we believe it. But I, I do have some, in, in, they're in the um, notes for today. You can look in there and see there are several scriptures that, that talk about this. In John chapter 10, 30, uh, the Father and I are one, Jesus says. And in then 17, 21, again in John, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus is talking about him and God being one. In John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. And as you follow through, you find out that the Word is Jesus, which is another whole interesting thing because in the beginning, how did God create? He spoke, right? A Word. So does that blow your mind? Like, was Jesus out? And he's like, oh, look God, I'm gonna create the thing. And here's the... Like the Word in the beginning. Whew, it's, it's crazy. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it was God who spoke the Word that all things were created. Let yourself go down that hole. John chapter 1, verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So we understand God and Jesus are the same, right? So back to the image of, of Christ, the one in whose image we are being conformed. Reflect for just a moment on who or what that image is. It is the image of the one who gave himself totally and completely and absolutely and unconditionally for others. Who was Jesus? This is who he was gave himself entirely for us. That is whose image we are being conformed into. 
This is the direction the Spirit's moving us. When we forget this, our definition becomes short-circuited and we lose this holistic viewpoint of spiritual formation. We end up with some kind of privatized, individualized, self-realized pursuit of spiritual growth. Right? We, we make it private. We make it about ourselves. These definitions may s sound okay, but because we understand that we have to grow spiritually, right? I, I don't misunderstand me. We, we have a relationship with God. But that relationship with God is not to be in the absence of others. When you look at it that way, it's not life-giving uh, life or healing or redemptive. When the, in fact, when the Pharisees became like this, Jesus called them, in, in Matthew, you can look it up, Matthew chapter 23, he called them whitewashed tombs. You know what a whitewashed tomb is? It's all pretty and painted on the outside, but on the inside it smells like death. That's what Jesus, can you imagine? Whew, that made them hot too. You could call them whitewashed tombs. You see, they became so concerned with their private holiness that they neglected relationships with others. It became entirely about them and their own holiness and they were pursuing it and they were trying to follow the law and it became about them and what they could do and what they could control. Wherever there is something in our lives that is not conformed to the image of Christ, that is a place where we are incapable of being what God wants us to be with others. <laughs> it's in this place that our life becomes hindered and it, it becomes ineffective and less full. Perhaps it is in this place that it becomes disruptive and destructive of others. We can never be all that God wants us to be with others as long as a point of unlikeness remains in us. Everybody's looking like, um, I hope it's digesting, right? This isn't a, maybe it's not a place to say, amen, but understand that we have a tendency, especially in a country that was founded, and its founding principles included a right to privacy, right? We have this, and, and it becomes about us, and we don't want anybody in our own sacred dwelling. And we have private places in our lives. And I'm not saying those are bad, but when it shuts us off from other people, it hinders our spiritual growth. So how do we test our spiritual growth, right? How do we know? Let's talk about a litmus test. If you want a good litmus test for your spiritual growth, you only need to examine the nature and quality of your relationship with others. Just examine that. Are you more caring? Are you more loving? Are you more compassionate or patient or understanding or more giving than you were a year ago? How's your relationship with others? These are the type of questions that we need to ask ourselves as we're pursuing our spiritual growth. As we evaluate our relationship with Christ, we can ask, 
Are we these things? Caring and loving. More caring and more loving and more compassionate. Are those things happening in us? In our scripture for today, Jesus inseparably joins loving God and loving others. The one who loves others abides in light, but when we hate others, we live in darkness. When we abide in others, we love light. When we hate others, we live in darkness. Paul talks about this a lot. He talks about the letters that he writes to the churches that he's planted and, and that he's uh, discipling and mentoring. He, he talks about their faith in Jesus and he talks about their love for others. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15. For this reason, Paul says, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for God's people. In Colossians 1 4, we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. In uh, 2 Thessalonians, he links growth in faith and growing love for others. Your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of and the love of you for one another is increasing. The two are linked. Our love for others directly correlates with our formation of the image of Christ. Linked together. So, so why is this important? Why is any of this important? Why does it even matter? You know, I, I've talked with people off and on, and I, I'm not trying to be offensive in any way. I just, I've talked with people off and on through, and you have too. I'm sure you've had these conversations uh, throughout my life. Why is church important? <laughs> Why do we need to gather together? If, especially today, you can stay home and, and watch from your phone. Like you could go into your own little closet and watch the service from your phone. And that's, and that's fine. And sometimes maybe you need to do that. But being together is important. Being together is where we spur one another on. Being together is where we practice love for each other. Being to, this is why one of the reasons that this, the pandemic was so dangerous for the church. Because we can't, I mean, as we're separated from each other, we're not able to grow with the same vigor as we can when we're together. Our relationship with others isn't the only testing ground, though. There's a danger in thinking that spiritual growth takes place only in our personal relationship with God or in our privacy. We begin to take th things into our own hands, and, and we think, Sometimes we approach it this way. We think, if I can grow in depth spiritually and build this relationship with, with, with God, with Christ, then I'll transport that relationship that I have with Christ into my relationship with others. It's like somebody saying, man, I, I, I want to go to church. I, I just need to get right with God before I do. It's, it's not what we believe. <laughs> it's, uh, Scripture even teaches, it, it, Jesus said, it's not the sick. I, I mean, it's not the, the, those who are well who need a hospital, it's the sick. So I don't want people to get well before they visit us. 
but that's the way we treat our spiritual formation. Well, as soon as I get a good enough relationship with Christ, then I'll enter into a spiritual relationship with others. This is why home group and Sunday school is so important. It's the place where you can have these conversations. The process of being conformed to the image of Christ takes place in the midst of our relationship with others, not apart from them. We learn to be Christ's, we learn to be His for others by yielding to God in the midst of those relationships. What's really cool about that is all of a sudden, every relationship has the potential of becoming the place of a transforming encounter with God. Every relationship begins to have potential of being a place of a transforming relationship with God. We have a lot of, we have a lot of plans at our church. I guess we would. I'm a three after all. <laughs> but some of the things that I love that we're trying to get started are a prayer team. Here's one. Man, what better place to see your spiritual nature mature than with others in a time of prayer? Wow, that's good. We haven't got it super organized yet, but you can talk to Richie. He's, he's going to head that up. We have, we're working on a, a safety and security team. Wouldn't it be great if all these people who are going to be part of a security team end up having this spiritual formation and a depth of relationship with each other that begins to form them spiritually, right? There's, we have our school here and several of you here are involved in some way with the school some on the council some as teachers some as administration isn't it great that the arm of this church begins to extend into relationships with people that are even outside of our church and spiritual formation begins to happen in those relationships how blessed am I that my kids get to have a youth group where their spiritual formation is being deepened in their relationship with each other and Michael a terrific youth pastor in leading in spiritual like it's amazing who right now is the the sixth grade transition class is happening <laughs> if you know a sixth grader send them on it's just all of these groups and, and we have Sunday school that meets on Sunday morning we have home groups that meet through the week like these are all places and opportunities that our spiritual formation can have a depth formed in it that otherwise can't happen. I think the idea of spiritual formation for the sake of others can be seen in a story that I'm going to read to you. Uh, it's a story I read of the Rockbound Rescue Society. Along a reef excuse me, along a reef-ridden, rock-bound coast, a small group became concerned with about those who were losing their lives in the shipwrecks that took place on the reefs and the rocks. They formed the Rescue Society for the purpose of saving those who have been shipwrecked. 
For years, they risked themselves to save others, often losing their own lives for the sake of others. But hundreds were saved who otherwise would have been lost. As a new generation entered the rescue society, they decided to perfect their techniques for rescue so that even more could be saved. They began to attend rescue workshops to uh, bring in consultants on the latest rescue techniques to entertain salespeople who touted the latest in rescue equipment. Before long, the maintenance and uh, perfection of the rescue station, its techniques, its equipment became the focus of the society. One night while the entire rescue society was attending yet another meeting to perfect the rescue, uh, the rescue skills, a great passenger liner struck upon the reef and sunk. Hundreds of people were lost because there was no one left to go to the rescue. The rescue society had come to exist for its own perfection and not for the sake of others. For being formed into the image of Christ, he is someone who gave himself totally, completely, absolutely, unconditionally to others. And this is who God is asking us to be formed into the image of. Somebody, someone, a group of people who give themselves entirely to others. And that's the point of the spiritual formation. Because it's through that, and we read that in the scripture, as we love others, they come to know Jesus Christ. And we love others often before they know who Jesus even is. Or maybe they know who he is and they've walked away and they need to experience the love of Jesus. I don't know. You don't know. But we exist to demonstrate God who gave himself totally and completely and absolutely and unyieldingly to others. Here in a little bit, we're going to uh, take communion together. Those who are helping, I'll invite you to. But I've asked uh, the team, we're going to sing this song here. This fits so perfectly about the blood of Jesus. Through the next few moments, I'm going to invite you to pray about your spiritual formation and about the things we've been talking about today. Next week, we're going to move into some other things about practical ways, some, some spiritual disciplines, they call them. But today, let's just focus on what God's calling us to do. How is He calling us to be spiritually formed? How are our relationships with others? God, help us in whatever way. Over the next few moments, we have four stations you can get. It's prepackaged communion. Take some time to pray before you get your communion. And at the end of the song, we'll all take it together. And at our church, we don't require that you be a member. We have open communion. So God, I just invite you to be a part of this with us today. Holy Spirit, would you teach us what it looks like to love others, to give ourselves to others the way that Jesus did, to understand what it means to be conformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others. 
thank you for a church like this, a church that, man, as I was listing things and the, just the different groups that we have and the ways we're involved and, and we're serving our community and we're loving on people and we're welcoming others in and help us to, there's a balance, I understand. We, we have to, not only are we bringing people in, we're also loving on each other and we're caring for each other and we're praying for each other. We want to find that balance. Help us to strike that balance. But never let it become only about us. Like the Rockbound Rescue Society, protect us, I pray. In Jesus' name.